As we roll down this unfamiliar road And although this wave is stringing us along Just know you're not alone Cause I'm gonna make this place your Good morning. You're listening to the Kern County Real Estate Review on AM 1560, FM 97.7, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com with your host, Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group at Coldwell Banker, Kern County's most listened to realtor. Consistently ranked as one of the best in the business nationwide, Lori's been selling real estate in Kern County for over three decades, during which time she's successfully helped over 11,000 families meet their real estate needs. So if you're thinking of buying or selling, there's no better choice than the McCarty Group. Working with an expert makes the process easy and puts more money in your pocket. You can either Google the McCarty Group, that's M C A R T Y, or call 661 661- 665 sold. That's 661-665-7653. And she or one of her partners will be delighted to help you. Let them make you their next success story. And a big good morning to you, Lori. Oh, good morning, Adelaide. How are you doing this morning? I am doing excellent. Uh, I I know it's uh, Easter weekend, Mm -hmm. so I'm thinking I probably should do a pre-check. Make sure there's nothing left from last year. <laughs> make sure there's no leftover eggs? Yeah, make sure the chocolate's still good. If, oh, wow. No, Come on, no. no. <laughs> Buy new. Buy new. You still so, have time. Hey, those Cadbury eggs are wrapped up pretty. Oh, no? No? Okay. <laughs> my least favorite. Oh, no. <laughs> They're just a little too realistic for me. <laughs> That's a good point, and it just ruined it for me. Okay. <laughs> So, other than that, how's your weekend going, Lori? Oh, you know, my weekend, as always, is jam-packed with listing appointments and showings. Not that I'm complaining, Mm. though. I mean, busy's always a good thing. It's when you're not busy that there's a reason to be concerned. Mm. I'm looking at this next hour, however, as my time to actually relax for a little bit. It's the one time I'm forced to actually put my phone on silent and not answer calls. Well, wait a second, Lori. Now, I'm pretty sure I've seen you take phone calls during commercial breaks. Oh, way to tell on me. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I, I do try to sneak in a call or two during the commercial break. <laughs> but that's because I think it's important to answer as many calls as I can when that person initially calls or to get back to them as quickly as possible. Mm, true. So on a, on a different subject. Do you remember a a few months ago when we had Diana Elliott from Golden Empire Affordable Housing on the show? Yeah, I sure do. Golden Empire Affordable Housing, it's a nonprofit, right? Absolutely. It's that local nonprofit that develops affordable housing in Kern County. They recently finished up a project that we had spoken with Diana about. Um, Do you remember uh, what used to be The Decatur Hotel on 19th and F Street? Yeah, I remember. Diana mentioning they had purchased the hotel and they were going to rehab it. Is it all finished now? It sure is. Um, The former Decatur Hotel has gotten a huge facelift. It's gotten a new name, and it's also gotten, more importantly, a new purpose. Mm. It's now called Westchester Senior Village, and frankly, i got to say, it looks adorable. It was a bit of an eyesore before. But now it blends in perfectly with the charming downtown area. You know, I really love the exterior of the building because they painted it a beautiful bright white with black trim. And then they added a pop with a 
big, bold, black and white striped awning over a red brick door. Um, Gone is that worn and tired exterior. And now in its place, I think it's a delightful building that looks like it's meant to be a part of that area. Yeah, that's so awesome to hear about the downtown kind of coming to life, getting this this new breath of fresh air. That's a great description, too. Yeah, I think I might need to drive by there and actually check it out. Well, I got to tell you, I think it's totally worth your time and your gas. Mm. Um, And that's saying a lot with gas prices (laughs) being what they are. (laughs) So next time you're downtown, go take a look. I think you'll be pleased with how much better it looks than it did before. And in addition to it looking cute, honestly, this building is serving a fantastic purpose. Mm. This 26-unit apartment complex is reserved for low-income seniors. The building holds 21 studio apartments and five one-bedroom units. All of them have new flooring. They have kitchenettes, granite countertops, a refrigerator, their own bathroom, and they have their own microwave. And then it also offers a community kitchen and three laundry rooms. Wow. It sounds like it's been completely transformed. Yeah. From what I heard, they basically gutted the building. Westchester Senior Village sounds like it'll provide a wonderful new home to some of our local low-income seniors, which I think is great because, after all, everyone deserves a place to call home. Mm. And that leads me right into the next topic that I wanted to talk about this morning. Um, Since April is Fair Housing Month, I thought we should talk about this before the end of the month. Now, we've talked about this on the show before, right? Well, we have. Mm. I thought, however, this morning... Everyone could use a bit of a refresher. Mm. But before we jump into that, (laughs) my phone's been buzzing (laughs) on silent. So let's take a short break, and I'll make another quick call or two, okay? Okay. All right. Well, we'll be back in a minute, so stay tuned. You're going to love this show. We've got fair housing. We're talking about flipping. And we're going to be talking about a very important assembly bill, AB 1771. You're listening to the Kern County Real Estate Review with Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group at Coldwell Banker Preferred Realtors. We'll be back in a moment, so stay tuned to 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR. And of course, we're streaming live on KNZR.com. And to reach Lori, you can call her or her team anytime at 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653. Or you can go to her website at themccartygroup.com, where you can peruse all the properties available in Kern County from the comfort of your couch. You can also request an in-person tour find out the value of your home, or see the McCarty Group's success stories. Ranked number 10 in North America for Coldwell Banker and the only Kern County realtor to be listed in the Wall Street Journal's Top 100 Agents for 2021, she is truly an expert in her field. Her desire, as well as that of her team, is to not only achieve their clients' goals, but to exceed their expectations. So let them do just that. And we'll be right back with the Kern County Real Estate Review here on KNZR. Hi, Dennis Prager here for Lori McCarty, host of the Kern County Real Estate Review. If you've got questions about real estate, she's got answers. Tune in every Sunday at 8 a.m. right here on KNZR, 1560 AM, 97.7 FM. Now that's smart.
The times we're living in are unparalleled, and it's affected all of us. It's made us feel uneasy and alone. Americans who need to sell their home or have to move and buy a new home are experiencing tremendous stress right now. And I know it's scary and overwhelming, but there is a solution. I'm fortunate to work with some of the top agents in America, agents who are going to tell you the truth, who will give you the best advice that's right for you. Right now, you need to work with an agent that can bring solutions for you. You have the help of somebody that can help you really make an informed decision. Lori McCarty with the McCarty Group at Caldwell Banker. You may want to take a cash offer or maybe it's time to upgrade your home and get it ready to sell in the summer. Maybe you should just hold tight and refinance. You do have options and you deserve to work with a great agent who does business with the highest integrity. Call Lori McCarty at 665-SOLD or online at themccartygroup.com. That's themccartygroup.com. And we're back this morning with Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group on the Kern County Real Estate Review here on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. And Lori, if you don't mind me interjecting, just talking mm-hmm. about the, the senior housing now, downtown there. You bet. Um, I've got family that, that they're in senior housing, but up in Lake Isabella. Okay. But I always felt like, man, it'd be so nice if they could live closer. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Who, who do we? Who can I... Who could we contact to find out more info about that? You can reach out to Diana Elliott at Golden Empire Affordable Housing. And if she's not available, I'm sure someone there will be more than happy to talk to. Of course, there might already be quite a waiting list. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's probably to be expected, I would think. But I would get think on the list so. sooner rather than later. Absolutely. And you're so right. It would be so great for your son to have Grandma here rather than up in Lake Isabella. Yes, yes. I mean, it's nice to visit, but it'd be a lot nicer to go 10 minutes than an hour and something. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Lori. And it looks like we received a question on social media. Now, the person wrote in saying they have a property they want to sell, but it has tenants currently living there. Can they still sell? Oh, that's a great question, Adelaide. And you know what? We run into this scenario frequently. And Honestly, it's totally possible for them to be able to sell, even with it being tenant-occupied. They're going to have a few different options. They can sell the property with it being tenant-occupied, or they could give the tenants notice to move out of the property and then sell it. So it's just going to depend on what they want to do. Hmm. Is there or is there an option that's better? Well, I believe it depends on the individual situation, because just because a property is tenant occupied a lot of people think that it won't sell but honestly that's not true Uh, there are plenty of investors out there looking for income properties that already have paying tenants and and of course the emphasis there is on paying right right Um, so if your tenants are not paying rent I think you're probably going to want to consider evicting them prior to selling the property mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. Um, as my accountant always says, don't make your problem my problem, right? <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to assume someone else's problem, and most buyers don't want to assume a property with the tenant still in possession if they're not good tenants. What about incentives to the tenant moving out? Absolutely, okay. those are things we recommend on a constant basis. Um, if it can be a win-win situation for both the um, 
landlord as well as for the tenant. Mm. And honestly, I think that it's key to get a skilled and knowledgeable realtor because they can help you decide, given your individual situation, which option is best. And if necessary, they can refer you to a top eviction attorney if it gets to that point. So if you're in this situation, don't worry. There are plenty of solutions, and we've helped many people just like you. So feel free to reach out and give our office a call, as and we'll help you navigate that decision. All right. Well, Lori, looks like your team really does do it all. Hey, we certainly try our best. And, and if we can't help you, whatever the situation, we'll do our best to refer you to the person that can. Awesome. Now, before the break, you mentioned April is Fair Housing Month. Mm-hmm. Do you want to explain to our listeners what that means? Sure. So to give you some context, fair housing laws really are nothing new. Uh, they date back over 150 years to the Reconstruction era after the Civil War when the Civil Rights Act of 1866 first prohibited discrimination in housing when it was passed on April 9th, 1866. Now, this law did several things. First and foremost, it granted citizenship status to all persons born in the United States. But secondly, it held that all citizens have the same rights to purchase, lease, sell, hold, and convey real and personal property, along with other rights. And lastly, it made it illegal to deny a citizen these rights. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I remember hearing all of this in my high school history classes even. Oh, it's good that you were paying attention. (laughs) (laughs) So here's what's unfortunate, though. As important as this law was, it had a serious design flaw. There was no federal enforcement provision. And the only recourse for someone who was a victim of housing discrimination was to pursue a civil suit. Since the burden was on the victim, honestly, this law was rarely used to obtain justice for those who were discriminated against when it came to housing. It really wasn't until the historic passage of the Civil Rights Act of 1968, which was signed into law by President Lyndon Baines Johnson and enacted April 11, 1968, just seven days after the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King, that we started seeing federal enforcement of equal housing laws. Now, there are several provisions of the Civil Rights Act of 1968, and Titles 8 through 9 are commonly referred to as the Fair Housing Act. These expanded on previous legislation, and they prohibited discrimination concerning the sale, rental, and financing of housing that was based on race, religion, and national origin. Now, wait a second. Uh, I thought there were more protected classes. Oh, you're absolutely right. So this law was modified in 1974 to include sex as a protected class and again in 1988 to protect people with disabilities and families with children. Additionally, pregnant women are also protected from illegal discrimination because they've been given familial status with the unborn child being the other family member. Okay. And then in, in um, uh, what was it, 2012 – the United States Department of Housing and Urban Development's Office of Fair Housing and Equal Opportunity issued a regulation prohibiting LGBT discrimination in federally assisted housing programs 
And then once again, the Supreme Court in 2020 ruled that discrimination on the basis of sex included discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation as well as gender identity. Okay, so these laws have been around for a really long time, and they seem to have been modified to fix the loopholes to make sure that everyone is protected. Why do we need a whole month dedicated to it? (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question, Adelaide. I mean, unfortunately, there are an estimated 2 million cases of housing discrimination each year, according to the Department of Housing and Urban Development and the National Fair Housing Alliance, which happens to be the largest uh, fair housing nonprofit in the country, estimates that number to actually be closer to 4 million per year rather than two. And that excludes instances of discrimination due to disability or familial status. Hmm. So while I know most of us believe that the laws have corrected this problem and this might not be the most exciting or groundbreaking topic we could discuss – I think it's important to bring up um, the topic, given that housing discrimination still occurs today. Hmm. So if someone feels like they've been discriminated against in terms of housing, what do they do? Well, people who believe they've experienced discrimination in the housing arena, they can file a complaint with the Department of Fair Employment and Housing. That's also known as the DFEH, keeping in mind that the complaints must be filed within one year of the alleged discrimination, or they can file suit directly in court. Okay, so talk to me a little bit about the Department of Fair Employment and Housing, the DFEH. Tell us a little bit more about it. Sure. That is kind of a mouthful, isn't it? (laughs) Um, So the Department of Fair Employment and Housing is the arm of the law in the state of California that's responsible for enforcing state fair housing laws that make it illegal to discriminate because of a protected characteristic. So this law applies to landlords, tenant screening companies, um, property management companies, real estate agents and brokers, home sellers, builders, mortgage lenders, and a whole host of other people. This law prohibits discrimination in all aspects of the housing business, including renting or leasing, sales, mortgage lending and insurance, advertising, enforcement of restrictive covenants, so your HOAs, and new construction. Individuals who believe that they have experienced housing discrimination can file a complaint with the Office of Fair Housing and Equal Opportunity at no charge. Now, the Office of Fair Housing and Equal Opportunity funds and has working agreements with many state and local governmental agencies where substantially equivalent fair housing laws are in place. And under these agreements, this office refers complaints to the state or the locality where the alleged uh, incident occurred. Then those agencies investigate and process the case instead of the Office of Fair Housing and Equal Opportunity. That is known as the Office of Fair Housing and Equal Opportunities Fair Housing Assistance Program. Gosh, the acronyms are just amazing, (laughs) right? Because they abbreviate that one as FHAP. There's a network of private nonprofit fair housing advocacy organizations throughout the country. Some are funded by FHEO's Fair Housing Initiatives Program, or FHIP, 
and some operate with private donations or grants from other sources. Okay, now that's really great information, Lori. Um, One thing I was thinking about is how do you know you've been discriminated against? Oh, that's a great question, right? Because sometimes discrimination isn't always obvious, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I'm sure there have been times when uh, people have uh, applied for housing. Maybe they were renting an apartment mm-hmm. and they thought, um, okay, I've got a great shot. And then all of a sudden um, they find out, no, we, we've chosen someone else. Um, mm-hmm. And they're left wondering why. Right. Um, so there are a couple of different resources. Um, you can go to HUD.gov, and okay. they will have a list of um, ways and classes that uh, discrimination can occur. They'll give you some examples, um, so you can look at that. And then um, there's a publication that is put out by – I'm trying to think who it is. Uh, I think it's um, – Well, it's a consumer action group, and uh, what we'll do is um, we'll link to that on our social media uh, for the show so that people can uh, read that article, Um, because if you've been discriminated against, you know, we want to make sure that that you, A, are aware of it, and B, that you can take steps to correct that. Absolutely. And and I'm thinking, too, just if you're a real estate investor, you have a few properties. Mm-hmm. And when you say not all of them are obvious, you don't want to accidentally do something like that. And, Absolutely. And, and know what can happen if you even if you accidentally do something like this. You Correct. Be, I think knowledge protected. is powerful. And the more informed we are, hopefully, the more we can combat this problem. Absolutely. Yeah, you're totally correct on that. And it seems like the process really does, though, start with the State Office of Fair Housing and Equal Opportunity. Well, it can. However, victims of housing discrimination don't absolutely have to go through the Office of Fair Housing and Equal Opportunity or go through HUD or any other governmental agency to pursue their rights because the Fair Housing Act confers jurisdiction to hear cases on the federal district courts. Plus, the United States Department of Justice has jurisdiction to file cases on behalf of the United States where they see a pattern and a practice of discrimination or where HUD has found discrimination in a case and either party elects to go to federal court instead of continuing in the HUD administrative process. All right. Well, great information, Lori. Hopefully, if our listeners are a bit more informed, this will happen less often. Well, you know, that's my hope. Um, I look at this show as our time to help inform everyone out there Mm -hmm. uh, about real estate and about topics related to real estate. Um, So obviously, fair housing laws fall into that category. Excellent. Well, I think this is a good place for us to stop, take a break. What do you think, Lori? Hey, I agree. And everybody, you're going to want to stay tuned. uh, As up next, I want to talk about flipping houses, as well as a recently introduced assembly bill that frankly could completely change the landscape of real estate in California if it becomes law. So you're listening to the Kern County Real Estate Review with Lori McCarty on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR and streaming live on KNZR.com. We'll be right back.
It's no fun missing out on the home you love or having to settle for something less just because you couldn't sell your own home quickly. I'm Barbara Corcoran. I've worked with thousands of successful real estate agents. Let me help you choose the right agent so this doesn't happen to you. If you're buying or selling in Bakersfield, call Lori McCarty because she offers an immediate cash offer and can help you find great homes before they hit the market. Partner with the right agent. Go to themccartygroup.com and start packing. You're listening to KNZR, 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, and streaming live on KNZR.com. And we're back this morning with the Kern County Real Estate Review, featuring our host, Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group. For all your real estate questions, call Lori at 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653. Or go online to themccartygroup.com. You can also follow Lori on social media. For Facebook, follow her at The McCarty Group or on Instagram at Lori underscore McCarty. And to keep up with all the real estate news in Kern County, you can follow this show on Facebook and Instagram at The Kern County Real Estate Review. There you can also submit questions you'd like Lori to answer on air or suggest topics you'd like her to cover on Saturday mornings. And Lori, prior to the break, you mentioned you were going to talk about flipping houses. Mm-hmm. Wow, I know most of us know that flipping a, what flipping a house means, but in case there is someone out there scratching their head right now, could you explain what flipping a house is exactly? Really? With the advent of HGTV, you think there's somebody out there who doesn't know what flipping a house is? Right. Yeah, it could be. Um, not everybody not everybody is as addicted to that you know, channel as oh, yeah. I am. So oh, yeah. absolutely. Um, so flipping is a term that's used to describe the situation where you purchase a revenue-generating asset and you quickly resell it or flip it for a profit. Mm-hmm. So within the real estate industry... This term is used by investors to describe the process of buying, rehabbing, and then reselling properties, hopefully for a profit. Okay? Okay. Now, to break it down further, the general idea in flipping a home is to find one that has been undervalued by most buyers, to purchase it, to improve it in a way that is universally attractive to home buyers, and then to turn around and sell it for a profit. But of course, if it were only that easy, right? (laughs) Yeah, but couldn't most people do this themselves and save money? Oh, absolutely. Sometimes they could. However, because value is intrinsic, often I think it's possible to create that value in real estate by giving buyers what it is they want without them having to do it themselves. For example, renovations are a lot of trouble for most people. Not everyone has the time, the energy, the vision, or most importantly, the resources to accomplish the rehab or refurbishing of property. So if that trouble is taken on by someone else, who then generally a buyer is going to pay more for a property to avoid having to go through all that effort themselves. And when that's the case, Where the buyer will pay more than it costs an investor to renovate a property, then the investor is going to have a successful flip and make money on the transaction. All right. Well, that makes sense. And so what kind of improvements are made when someone flips a house? Well, 
That all depends. Um, improvements with a house flip can be either purely cosmetic, they could be structural, they could be functional, or they could be a combination of all of the above. And for a successful flip, frankly, it's all going to depend on what the house needs and what buyers will want for that particular home and neighborhood. And of course, what happens to be in style at the time that you're doing that flip. Um, some of the areas of a home that are often upgraded or updated or replaced during a house flip are the kitchen and the bathrooms, right? The two most important areas of a home uh, from a female's perspective. Mm. The flooring, uh, windows, of course, are often replaced and upgraded. And I would venture to say that almost every flip gets new paint. Mm. Yes. Um, now, of course, the degree of the flip depends on the market for the improvements. I mean, some house flippers are able to just do paint and trim, give the home a thorough cleaning, and boom, put it back on the market and sell the property. Hmm. But some are going to have to completely gut the home, change the layout, do interior and exterior renovations uh, in order to achieve uh, a positive end result. Uh, the goal, of course, is to balance a high selling price with a quick time frame. Okay, so when did house flipping actually become popular? I mean, has it always been something that happens in the world of real estate? You know, that's a really interesting question. I think if you had asked someone 30 years ago what a house flipper was, they they would look at you like, I don't know. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, I don't really think that was a term that was used back then. Um, today, though, thanks to various TV shows and such, mm -hmm. I, I think the, t the term is much better known. Um, interestingly enough, though, house flippers have always been around, even in colonial times and back in England before America was ever settled. <laughs> You're kidding, right? No, no. But in the old days, only a select few people in a community had the time, the money, and the inclination to flip houses. But today it's become affordably accessible for people of various means, even those who, who really aren't wealthy. Hmm. So when did we start to see it becoming more popular for like the average person? Well, back in the 1980s, there was an economic recession and stock market earnings were down. House foreclosures were up. So savvy people would buy foreclosed homes fix them up, maybe rent them for a while, and then resell them for a profit as the market improved. So I guess you could say that modern-day house flipping in America really had its start in the late 1980s. Hmm. And as more and more housing was being built in the 80s and in the 90s, and the demand for those newer, improved homes became more widespread, the idea of renovating older homes became more popular. Okay, fair enough. So... What does it take to be a successful house flipper? Well, flipping a house can sometimes be a risky investment. Um, so I really think it should be done with caution, with proper planning, and with some professional advice. Mm. Um, as with all investments, never, <laughs> ever, ever use money that you can't afford to lose. <laughs> yeah. So the most common issues that we see with house flipping – are when flippers take too long to do renovations or <clears throat> they do too much to a home 
where the renovations aren't going to be appreciated and paid for. They treat that property as if it was their own home Mm. and they're improving it to their standards rather than the market standards. Mm. So I guess to be successful, you really need to have the funds to purchase a home and pay for repairs. You've got to be able to carefully pick what repairs will make you the most amount of money and I believe you need to team up with a top realtor that can get it sold for the highest possible price. Hmm. Now, you mentioned you need the funds to purchase a home. Does that mean you can only flip a home if you have cash to purchase it? No, no, not necessarily. Um, you can certainly finance the home, but it's it's really going to depend on the condition. Um, if it's in bad enough shape, honestly, you might not be able to finance it with a traditional loan. Hmm. Um So we could get a conventional rehab mortgage or a hard money loan. Or if you plan on living in the property, you could do an FHA 203K loan. Um, A conventional rehab loan uh, will finance the cost to renovate your home along with the purchase price. Um, It bases uh, that appraisal on the plans for the repairs. So you say, here's my my purchase price, here's what I plan to do for repairs, and at the end of it, it should be worth X dollars. And as long as it appraises for that, perfect. Um, The FHA 203K rehab program, interestingly enough, only requires a 3.5% down payment Mm. because it's designed for those who are going to live in and occupy that property. Those who want to invest a little... um, of their own intuition and desire to fix up a property um, and take the place of that flipper, right? Okay. Um, Now, conventional rehab loans can technically be done with as little as 5% down, but realistically, I don't want you guys to get attached to that Mm. because you should expect to have at least 20% down uh, for conventional rehab financing. Because honestly, the difficulty in obtaining private mortgage insurance for these loans makes it to where you really are going to need to put that large of a down payment down so you can eliminate the private mortgage insurance. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, you want to get rid of that. Um, quick question. Mm-hmm. So so now if you did one of these, the FHA 203K rehab mm-hmm. loans, got in there, moved in there, mm-hmm. and you're, is there like... A time frame, like if you if you live there for three years, you don't have to pay capital ta- capital gains taxes. Well, as or- long as it is, yeah, you don't on your personal residence. Mm-hmm. Remember, well, let me back up. I'm not an attorney or a CPA. Can't give you legal <laughs> or tax advice. However, mm-hmm. the laws regarding capital gains state that if you live there two out of the last five years as your oh. personal residence, you do not have to pay capital gains. Okay. Interesting. And I bring that up because, okay, you get in there, you live in it for two years, mm-hmm. get it all fixed up nice, mm-hmm. and then, I don't know, you could rent it for three years or, or something to move on to another property? You could absolutely do that, okay. keeping in mind you can only have one FHA loan at a time. Ah, okay. So okay. Um, if your next plan is to get another FHA loan, you would actually need to sell that property, but you could certainly move in, rehab it. I'm sorry, purchase it, rehab it Mm -hmm. through a 203K loan, um, move in, live there, and then after two to three years, whatever you're comfortable with, 
you could certainly sell it and move on to the next one. Okay. Um, now, for those properties that are in really poor condition that won't qualify for a traditional loan, mm. there are always hard money options, uh, which typically is going to require a much higher down payment, and they're going to charge higher interest rates. Uh, okay. So if you're in the market to fix and flip or even fix and hold, honestly, you might be able to finance it and only need money for the down payment and the closing costs. If, however, you are financing it, one of the costs you have to think about in your overall return on investment is what you're paying for interest during that time frame. So if you take a hard money loan out and you have a high interest rate, you've got to factor that in to your costs Mm -hmm. so that it winds up being a profitable flip for you. Okay. So so it can be done. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a couple of little ins and outs that you want to know going into it, I'm thinking. Absolutely. And, and I bring that example up or that question up because I've, I've had a buddy that did it for, for like 10 years. He mm-hmm. lived rehab, but his wife finally said, nope, we're not doing we're not, move, we're not moving again. We got this place perfect <laughs> and we're staying here. Because I thought about that. I was like, if I was single, no kids, right. you could do it. But right. once you got a couple kids, you're married, it's yeah, moving well, around. Well, I even tough. have – I have – clients that have families and they actually still do this so um, it just depends on what your risk tolerance is and and how you live your life Mm. right Um, a lot of people are on the go moving and grooving we get bored with this house after two or three years and (laughs) with our incredible market they've made substantial gains so let's move on to the next one Okay, and and these are some great options for these hopeful house flippers. Yep. Um, it, so house flipping, it's still profitable even here in Bakersfield in this market. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's a tricky question <laughs> um, because honestly, house flipping is still profitable, but it's really hard to find those flippable houses. Mm. Um, you know, with our market being what it is, and and houses selling for top dollar already. I think it really narrows your potential profit margin. So investors who are used to making lots on those flips, margin's much, much smaller now. Um, Mm -hmm. Plus, you have to realize that many sellers and banks who own foreclosure properties uh, have figured out that if they put in, say, $10,000 worth of repairs, it will come back to them – in the form of profit of 20000 when they go to sell. Okay, okay. So a lot of wise and savvy sellers and, and banks aren't really listing uh, fixer-uppers anymore. Okay. Uh, they're actually assuming the role of that flipper and fixing them up before they put them on the market. Hmm, um, okay. Now, I'm not saying that flipping isn't possible or it isn't profitable right now. It just isn't as easy as it once was. Uh, I know that isn't the answer everybody wants to hear out there, but yeah, you know me. I'm all about telling you the truth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're and you're thinking about when you say ten thousand dollars worth of repairs, you've got there's there's rehabs, there's houses, these fixer uppers that. Ten thousand is a small number. Oh, absolutely, right. <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah. And with the cost of uh, goods and the supply chain shortage and the mm-hmm. cost of labor these yep. days, uh, honestly, 
Um, I don't know that you can even do carpet and paint on your average house for ten grand anymore. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, it's just getting more expensive. It is. It and, is. And then seeing this just on the housing market in general, mm-hmm. what effects does the house flipping have on it, and does it even impact the market at all? Well, you know, that's a really interesting question, Adelaide. Um, frankly, I think the jury's out on this one, and and I've I've noticed that reasonable people tend to disagree. Mm. Um, for example, there was a study done in 2007 by the University of Texas at Arlington where they analyzed the effects that house flipping had on prices of homes. Mm. And in that report, they quoted a researcher as saying uh, that flipping homes had a harmful effect on housing prices. They said, quote, as the price of flipped homes goes up, other sellers raise their prices, which can result in a low-income neighborhood with affordable housing becoming much more expensive. Hmm. So, okay. But now the author of that study disagreed with the researcher. He said his analysis of housing prices found that flipping homes had no significant effect on prices in a neighborhood, at least as far as the market for single-family homes was concerned. However, he did add uh, that his use of the real estate industry's multiple listing service to obtain information might have skewed the results because many flipped properties are sold without going through the multiple listing service. Mm, now, th- here's an interesting comment. I'm thinking, okay, wait, so when you flip a home, mm-hmm. make it nice, mm-hmm. it causes sellers to raise their price. But in my mind, I hear it causes the value to go up. Absolutely it does. And if huh, the value okay. of one comparable goes up, then the value of the surrounding properties goes up. I feel like that's actually a good thing. I think it is too. <laughs> now, and, and, and I'm thinking those that think house flipping negatively impacts the market, have they done anything to really try to prevent it? Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. Huh. Uh, the state of California has an assembly bill that's being considered right now that frankly would dramatically impact investors. Uh, Assembly Bill 1771, which was authored by Assemblyman Chris Ward, proposes an unprecedented tax on the sale of a home in the first seven years after purchase. If the home was sold within the first three years of purchasing it, the tax would impose a 25% penalty on all net capital gains from the sale or exchange of homes or properties. Pretty amazing, huh? One-fourth. Yeah. Um, The tax rate then would drop to 20% in year four and so on, you know, 5% a year until it's eliminated after um, seven years. All revenue from this tax would go to the Speculation Recapture Community Reinvestment Fund. Okay. Uh, This bill, which has been nicknamed the California Housing Speculation Act, would also take effect immediately as a tax levy for all taxable years beginning in 2023. As AB 1771 would result in a tax change, fortunately, two-thirds of each house will need to approve it for passage. Hmm. Okay. Now, what is the purpose of this bill exactly? I mean, why are they targeting house flipping? Well, the author of the bill, again, Assemblyman Chris Ward, is quoted as saying, speculators are taking gobs of tens of millions of dollars out of our community through the cumulative effect of all these transactions. That's not fair. 
either because the people that are left struggling are people who get outbid 30 times trying to get into their home. He went on to say it would be an additional income tax on the profit gain from a sale that occurred within three years of the previous sale. We've seen this influx of short-term investors trying to get into the market, outbid San Diegans and Californians with all cash offers and drive the prices up for everyone. So if somebody's trying to go in there, fix up a fixer-upper, and then sell it for record profits, that is distorting the market because somebody else could have gone in there, done the same thing, and kept the house. That's what he had to say. Hmm, hmm. Okay. Let me. <laughs> I'm just trying to wrap my head around I this know. too. I know. Because, because I'm I'm thinking, if you've got a uh, like, okay, I'm like I buy a house in the neighborhood, thinking like, oh man, I'm going to paint, I'm going to fix it up, I'm mm-hmm. going to make it real nice. Mm-hmm. You know, five years later, right. nothing's happened, <laughs> and and you know, Lori, when you go to a neighborhood, and you're like, beautiful home, great curb appeal, beautiful right. home. You're driving down the street, and then there's that one house. Yep. Neglected. Mm-hmm. The unkempt, and you're just kind of like, oh man. So right. why would a house? I mean, if you go in, flip it, make it nice and pretty again, you've got someone that comes in and buys it. Mm-hmm. A family comes in and buys it. Right. It, that, that feels to, in my mind. It seems like a the good end purpose thing. is doing a great job. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. We talked earlier. Not everybody has the resources mm-hmm. to go in, purchase the home, fix and flip, and move forward. Mm-hmm. Right. Or yeah. fix and hold is what I really mean. Right. And so having that investor who can go in and fix it and turn around and sell it to that end user. Right. It it improves the value of that one home as well Mm -hmm. as all the surrounding homes. Yes, absolutely. Now, is this bill actually getting a lot of support? Oh, fortunately, no, it's not. Okay. Um, Because honestly, I got to tell you, my opinion is this bill will do a lot more harm than good. And, And why is that? Well, uh, for a lot of the reasons we've talked about, mm-hmm. but but think about this. These cash buyers that Assemblyman Ward is taking issue with, a lot of them are not investors. They are moving from higher-priced locations within California to affordable communities like Bakersfield mm-hmm. and taking the cash out of their home and investing it into another home in a different locale. Mm-hmm. Also... Many house flippers renovate properties that we talked about that would be otherwise unmarketable. So when you pass a bill like this, it's actually going to push out our small mom-and-pop local investors, and you'll see much larger investment firms come in who can easily afford to take that 25% tax hit. Hmm. Furthermore, as I understand it, there's no provision for those who are not flippers to sell their property during that initial seven-year period. Mm. Here in the Central Valley, um, I think this is especially poignant. Um, There's a large segment of our population that gets transferred in and out of the area frequently. Mm -hmm. And what's going to happen to those homeowners? Interesting. And and just real quick, back to your large investment firms who can take the 25% tax you know that penalty mm-hmm. they're going to pass that along somewhere absolutely right? <laughs> absolutely are, are, are there actually any potential positives of the bill though well ward is hoping that if this bill passes it'll make homes uh, more affordable for the average californian again and i just don't see that happening mm. i actually see it hurting our economy and making our inventory issue much worse um, which is of course going to drive up prices even more 
hmm, so I'm a little confused here. How would it hurt our economy or make the inventory crisis any worse? Okay. Fair question. So let's say that a corporation wants to transfer someone out of California during that seven-year period. Chances are that the corporation is going to have to absorb that tax because what employee is going to want to relocate if they're paying anywhere from a 5 to a 25% tax on the profits of selling their home? Right? I sure wouldn't take that move, would you? Mm-hmm. That's too much. Absolutely. Um, so when corporations or companies have to absorb taxes on behalf of their employees, unfortunately, they don't simply reduce their profits. (laughs) They raise their prices and consumers are forced to pay far more for goods and services. Mm -hmm. And secondly, from an investment standpoint, from an inventory standpoint, rather, if you think of someone who currently has a rental property and they're thinking about selling it, this Maybe they're tired of being a landlord, right? Mm-hmm. This bill is going to force them to keep those properties as rentals for far longer than they otherwise would to avoid that tax. Mm-hmm. And as a result, there's going to be less and less inventory, making it even less affordable to buy. We've talked over and over. Real estate is a supply and demand business. Mm-hmm. Without inventory, prices go up. It's just the natural cycle of things. And and to add to that, if you're a landlord, rents never go down. No, they don't. So they'll just keep going up the longer someone holds a rental. Hmm. Absolutely. All right. So is it safe to say you do not support <laughs> AB 1771? Uh, obviously it is. <laughs> um, I understand completely the concern that people are being priced out of the market and priced out of the dream of home ownership. Um But I don't think that this is a solution. Mm -hmm. I truly believe every hardworking individual should have the opportunity to buy a home. Mm -hmm. Um, Taxing and targeting investors, frankly, is not going to help this situation. This bill, I believe, attacks our private property rights. It diminishes wealth opportunities. It eliminates the freedom to move or to relocate. And it harms our housing supply. You know, Californians are some of the most taxed individuals in the nation, and yet our housing also is some of the least affordable. Um, How is adding another tax going to help our housing situation? In my opinion, it simply won't. Yeah, interesting. And one thing I wanted to bring up, too, when you talk about uh, wealth opportunity, Mm -hmm. it's, it's even security, Absolutely. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like with, with a one or two investment properties, I, w- I don't know. I feel like that wouldn't be wealthy. No. But it'd be comfortable. But it's comfortable. It gives you yeah. some security. It gives you some support, right? Mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. it lets you know that you have an income um, from, from those properties um, should, should something catastrophic happen. Absolutely. Right. It's a security blanket. It's a mm-hmm. safety net. So just in case something does right. happen. It's it's no different um, than, you know, those who uh, are invested in the stock market or other assets mm-hmm. uh, who have a greater knowledge of that or a, a greater risk tolerance for those avenues. Um, mm-hmm. Having that, um, I think, is really important. Yeah, you're absolutely right, too. And, and even for me, from a, on a personal note, looking back. 
if if I didn't start somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, it, I don't know where I'd be like, you know, because I do know people, you know, in their 30s, 40s that are still renting. And right. I'm like, why? Right. Why? Right. You've got to You've got to call it wealth builder, but call it security, too. Absolutely. Landlords, again, raise the rent. They do raise on a rent. constant basis. Yes. And, and, right? and you see it. And we've really seen it in the last year or two. We sure um, have. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you about, too, I know, I know we're getting kind of short on time here, mm-hmm. but this is really strange. I wanted to tell you, over the weekend, well, over the last week, I got a text message, and it was, hey, this is Anna. How you doing, Adelaide? I'm like, uh, number I didn't know. Okay. So I was like, oh, hey, what's up, Anna? Which Anna's, you know, whatever. Which one's this? Uh-huh. Oh, well, I'm interested in your home. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I wanted you know- to see if you're interested. The, the words you used was, are you interested in letting it go? And my first comment back was like, first of all, what do you mean by letting it go? Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was, it, but it was. oh, well, I'm interested in, you know, maybe making an offer, blah, 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 mm-hmm. so if you want to sell it. So I, I wanted to get your advice on it. Well, you know, it's so funny you should say that because on my way into the show this morning, <laughs> I got a call. Actually, I got a text. Yeah. Um, they somehow have my number associated with my husband. Mm. And, um, hey, Robert, are you interested in selling the, uh, this property, you know, for a quick cash closing? <laughs> I I won't share with you what I responded. But anyway, um, so so – these are investors mm. looking to um, pick up a property uh, to purchase a home um, from a um, current investor. Maybe the stress of being a landlord has gotten to be too much. Um, maybe you're at a stage in your life where you just don't want to deal with that anymore. Um and it is a very common tactic for investors, for realtors, uh, to look at data which shows investor owners of properties in a targeted area and to reach out to them. My experience has been that typically those are going to be lower offers than mm. what market value actually is. Interesting. Yeah, so I would encourage you, if you're interested in selling, call your favorite realtor. Absolutely, yeah. And it's and it was so weird because that was my next question. What's your offer? <laughs> <laughs> and then it started to a bunch of, well, can you tell me about this? This yeah, I'm like, yeah, me, yeah, yeah, no, never mind. Right. So, anyways, I just wanted to share that with you too because I thought I got to ask Lori about this. This is too funny. Absolutely. Robo texting is yeah, happening. It's happening. <laughs> it's happening. All right. Well, Lori, we are out of time. Thank you for all that great information today. And this has really been another informative episode. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Um, my, ple- you know, the pleasure was all mine. Um, I hope this information was useful to people out there. Um, as I said, that's our goal is to inform and educate. Um, now, before we say goodbye until next week, I want to thank all of you for joining us today and for tuning in each week. Hopefully, by answering these um, questions, by providing this information, we've given you some knowledge about um, fair housing, flipping, and AB 1771. And we've provided a little more clarity into this world of real estate that I love so much. I know Adelaide and I both look forward to visiting with you again next Saturday at 11 a.m. And remember, if you miss an episode of the show or you know someone who would benefit from this information but couldn't tune in this hour, 
we've got options. You can catch our Encore presentation each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. here on KNZR just before Sean Hannity. Or if that doesn't work, you can hear this and previous shows wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Kern County Real Estate Review and listen to your heart's content. This is Lori McCarty with the McCarty Group of Coldwell Banker Preferred Realtors and your host of the Kern County Real Estate Review, wishing you and yours a blessed Easter weekend and a fantastic week ahead. You're listening to 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. We'll be back next week. Hey, you confused about real estate? Sean Hannity here, and I can tell you as an active real estate investor, well, just like the stock market, it can go up one day and down the next. Home values and sales, they fluctuate on a dime. Now, even though I bought and sold homes for years all across this great country, one thing I will always do is partner with a sharp real estate agent that truly studies local and national market trends, that knows the real value of homes, and most importantly, knows how to generate demand regardless of the market. And the good news is you have a truly amazing agent right in your backyard. I'm talking about Lori McCarty of Coldwell Banker. She has an amazing team working for her that doesn't miss a single detail. Her system is so bulletproof, well, she can create demand for your home at a deadline that you agree to, or she will buy it herself. Now, real estate doesn't have to be frustrating or scary. Call Lori McCarty today at 665-SOLD. That's 665-SOLD. Online, themccartygroup.com. That's themccartygroup.com. Go there and you can start packing. Lori McCarty reminding you to mark your calendars for the first Saturday of each month for our open house, open mic edition of the Kern County Real Estate Review. Tune in at 11 a.m. sharp to get your exclusive backstage pass to our newest open houses hitting the market for the first time that weekend. We'll provide behind-the-scenes tips and chat with my team on location as they bring you Kern County's newest homes. We'll also take your calls and answer your questions, all while sharing the latest in real estate news with local industry experts. So don't forget, be sure to tune in the first Saturday of every month for our open house open mic edition here on KNZR.
Cause I'm gonna make 